This Dharma talk by Joan Sutherland Roshi, being accompanied, was given at the Just Past Full Retreat at Mountain Cloud Zen Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, on January 29th, 2004. When we began last night, um, I said that I wanted to talk this session uh, as we. Okay. Um, as we gather together to sit and walk and eat and sleep and dream together, um, to talk from inside that coming together about what it's like to practice alone which a lot of us spend a lot of time doing. And the place I'd like to start again tonight is with that poem by Antonio Machado. Uh, I suggested as a place to start last night, which goes like this. Traveler, it is your footsteps, the road, nothing more. Traveler, there is no road. You make the road by walking. Traveler, it is your footsteps, the road, nothing more. Traveler, there is no road. You make the road by walking. I love this image because it feels so much like life to me. You know? um, it has a quality of grandeur, the grandeur of being alive, that sense of the road unfurling uh, um, through emptiness in front of us. Thank you. And it also has great um, humility and simplicity, one foot in front of the other. Machado had a donkey, and um, he and his donkey used to like to walk in the orchards. And uh, I like that image for life of a middle-aged man and his donkey walking through the orchards. And when you begin looking, you see that image of walking everywhere in, uh, in the Zen tradition. Um, there are those times when we walk and we don't know where we're going, when we deeply in don't know. There's a koan about fording the stream at night. I know I have found the next stone when my foot doesn't get wet. Um, there is the department of silly walks. Uh, someone, someone I'm working with told me recently that he just realized that the road he was walking on was quite wide and that he'd been walking down the middle of it as though he were on a balance beam, you know, kind of like teetering and trying to balance and staying one foot right in front of the other and suddenly he saw it was wide. So we do that, you know, we make our lives and we make our practices one step after another. Um, and it's simple and it's beautiful and it's awesome in a way. In our meal service, we tried to capture a little bit of the flavor of that humility and that grandeur. Uh, in the verse we say, the verse the cantor says, which is, um, out of the mysterious source come us and the things that sustain us, waking and eating, how does it go? Waking and, waking and eating, embracing and sleeping, we walk on the empty sky. 
out of the mysterious source come us and the things that sustain us, waking and eating, embracing and sleeping. We walk on the empty sky. I like to think of um, Machado and his donkey walking across the empty sky, you know. So, um, one of the things I notice about this image, as much as I love it and as deeply as it touches me, is that um, it doesn't include the sense of being accompanied that I feel about life. So images practically beg to be changed. They want to come into relationship with you and have you mess with them and move them around and they'll, they'll move you around. And so the image doesn't mind if we then add the sense of being accompanied as we walk, as we unfurl this road step by step through emptiness. So if I look up, I feel that I can glance around and I can see all of these roads in progress everywhere around me, intertwining and intersecting. Um, Some I can touch, some on the horizon and barely visible to me, some underneath the horizon and so completely unimaginable to me. And it seems to me that the universe is made up of all of these roads in progress moving in all directions. So even when we're practicing alone, we're never alone. I mean, we know that. We fundamentally know that. And what I'd like to talk about tonight are the things that accompany us that aren't necessarily human. (laughs) Um, Things like images in the Machado poem or koans art, the experience of making art or looking at art, literature, sometimes psychotherapy, relationships, all of those things that accompany us as we walk on our journey. Um, I think we have an idea that the practice is one thing and it's the same for everybody all the time and this is pretty much it, you know. A little walk, a little talk, a little chant, pretty much sit. Um, That idea comes out of a different circumstance than our own. It comes out of a monastic tradition in which everybody lived pretty much the same life. I mean, that was part of the deal, that you were choosing to live the same life with all these other people living the same life you were living. In, um, in Musa Soseki's image, it's, it's like a snake choosing to crawl into a bamboo tube and stay in the darkness and stay stretched out, all the curves kind of pulled out while it's in the tube. But we're not monastic. We're not, um, we don't crawl into that tube, although we might crawl into others. And there are probably just as many different kinds of lives in this um, room as there are people in this room. So it's interesting to wonder about uh, the one-size-fits-all practice. And it's interesting to wonder about when we're doing it and when we're not doing it. So I notice that people will say to me, well, I've really kind of moved away from my practice. Translation, I'm not sitting. But then when you begin to talk, um, you find out that there are other things going on, that they're walking around holding a con, like what is this? all the time, everywhere, bringing up the koan. They're working with a practice like metta, where they're offering um, loving kindness to other people. 
Um, they're listening to th listening to tapes as they drive around in the car. They're reading books. There are lots of other things going on. Sometimes people move into um, a more devotional practice, which they shamefacedly tell me, you know, I've got this Guan Yin and I light a candle. And there's something so beautiful about that, you know. And I'd like to challenge that idea that any of that is a matter of stepping away from the practice or abandoning the practice. Um, your job is not to sit 25 minutes a day, twice a day, and come tell me about it twice a year during retreat. That's not a practice, you know? Um, in the koan, one of the koans I handed out last night was, was Jiao Jiao. And when, when someone said, you know, what is meditation? He said, it's not meditation. Well, why isn't it meditation? It's alive. It's alive. That's your job. It's alive. It's alive. What's your life? What's your life? And if you're sitting or not sitting or um, raising a small child or um, chanting or dancing naked in the sprinklers with your neighbor at 3 o'clock in the morning to folk music, I mean, what you know, the question is not are you following some recipe. The questions are how is your life? What is your life like? How is your heart? How is your mind? How are the people in your immediate vicinity? You know? Is there an openness? Is there a clarity sometimes? Is there a generosity? Is stuff happening? Those are the questions that seem important to me. And not only will how you get there be different for every person in this room, but through the course of your life, it's not going to look the same either. It will be different things at different times. So again, not about following a recipe, but something um, a little bit more difficult, granted, and this is where um, sitting does come in, and this is why we say, well, it's good to include sitting in the mix. Because one of the things that meditation can do is help you develop an attitude towards things, an attitude that we have called one of warmth and curiosity. That's not a bad place to start. That's not a bad place to stop, you know? If you can go with warmth and curiosity through most of your life, that will get you through most, most situations, although we'll, we'll talk in a minute about the times it might not. The longer we practice in whatever ways we practice, it's possible that a field of awareness begins to open up. And we begin to experience ourselves not as the center of the universe, but as a part of a field. And in that field rise and fall other people, circumstances, everything around us, and also the things inside us, our own thoughts and feelings, rising and falling in this field of awareness. And it's not exactly that we're observing it, because awareness is a little bit different than observation. It's not like us looking at everything else, or one part of ourselves looking at another part of ourselves as in observation. 
but more taking place in that field with everything else and coming to see the dreamlike quality of everything including ourselves and including what rises and falls inside of us when we see the dreamlike quality of things we see simultaneously that they are provisionally uh, real and entirely unreal and that is a beautiful thing because we are provisionally real and entirely unreal and what a relief that is so the idea is having developing that kind of awareness feeling more and more um, the field around uh, experiencing it with warmth and curiosity will go quite far and will look different for different people and that's all right there was a an old chinese teacher who was talking about when you when you encounter when people encounter people and she said each being has an eternal radiance each being is an 8000 foot precipice and um i love the way she captures the simultaneous wow and yikes quality of every genuine encounter you know everything shines and there are 100000 ways to fall off the cliff so um warmth and curiosity a field of awareness a kind of warm intelligence about things will take you pretty far and most woodland creatures will respond well to that sometimes though you might um encounter a mountain lion who is not in the least bit interested in your field of warm intelligence <laughs> um and that's part of it too at such times it's also good to have a little bit of method it's also good to have something to do you know um there's a point in the story the myth of psyche which we've spoken about a number of times where she has to do a kind of penance to her mother-in-law to Aphrodite and she's put in a room that's filled with all of these uh seeds and grains just in a big jumble and her job is to sort them into separate piles and that's what she does she sits down and she starts sorting and there's a sense that sometimes when you when you're having to do penance you know when some when there's some particular aspect of your fate that has caught up with you it's good to have something to do it's good to have grains to sort at such a time and sometimes when things are really difficult it's great to have advice um when psyche goes into the underworld she's really despairing because she thinks how can i possibly survive a journey through the underworld and a friendly um tower gives her a bunch of advice about what not to do when she's in the underworld and having that little bit of shift from my job is to survive the underworld to my job is to follow this advice is a huge thing that's doable maybe you know that's something we can sort of grasp and get a hold of and and manage in some way or at least try in a way that surviving the underworld can feel really overwhelming
here too. Um, the same thing, the same advice isn't going to apply to everybody. If someone comes to me and um, has spent most of their whole life not really getting that other people are real and is suddenly overwhelmed by the experience of the reality of other people and is filled with very strong feelings of empathy um, and, and is having a lot of difficulty with that, my advice is please continue to be overwhelmed. Yeah? Good. <laughs> Keep going. Let it wash over you. Let it flood you. Let's see what happens. If someone is being overwhelmed by um, very painful images, self-destructive images, and does, can't find a way through, it's going to be different advice. It's not going to be, please be overwhelmed. It's, maybe there's something we can do to work with this. Maybe there's something else you can do. Maybe there is a, a life raft that can be thrown here. So even encounters with mountain lions don't always look the same. Uh, even they are dependent on the life that's unfurling in front of us. The step we place, we put a step down, we, we put a stone down, we take a step on it, we put the next stone down, we take a step on it. We put a stone down and it falls, it doesn't stick. You know, um, someone comes and helps us put some stones down for a while. Someone comes and throws all the stones up in the air. All of that is part of it. So, tonight, I wanted just to touch on the idea that there are things that accompany us other than people. There is a something to do. Um, that it's all right to experiment, that it's all right to notice what works and what doesn't work and to keep trying different things. It's all right to make the path yourself. And what I would love to do is, is um, begin tonight to have a conversation about how we do that and to raise questions uh, about how we do that. And then tomorrow night we'll be working with some koans that have to do with maybe different kinds different kinds of relationships to practice like the the Jaja Cohen I quoted it's alive it's alive and then pick up the conversation again uh, in a couple of days so let me leave it there for now and um, open it up for any any um, comments you have any questions you have about this when we're accompanied and when we're alone. Here are some excerpts from the question and answer portion of the talk. In the Tibetan tradition, there's a, there's a bit of advice. So since we're in an advice mode tonight, which is uh, liberate the antidote. And what that means is you have a problem. Most of us come to meditation because we have a problem, we're suffering, we don't want to suffer. So you have a problem, and the antidote to the poison is to sit. And so you sit and sit and sit, and it works incredibly well. And then at some point, something happens um, where even the antidote has to be liberated because it's become its own prison. 
And quite often, in my experience, things will do that for us, like our hips, you know, will do that for us. So might it be interesting to think about this as a matter of liberating the antidote? And what does that mean? What's the next thing? Which will then be wonderful and solve a problem and then become its own prison and then you will have to liberate that and on and on and on. Do you see, we get stuck in an idea that it has to be a particular way and if it's not that way, it's no good. Whereas in fact, it's a, it's a series of things that are beautiful until they're not and then the next thing and the next thing. Does that make sense? Okay. It knows its time. Yeah. Mostly we don't know our time. <laughs> Mostly we have to be <laughs> prodded and poked. Yeah. Yeah. think of um, something Marcus Aurelius said. He said, love only what happens. Isn't that great? It's another way of saying the same thing, I think. Love only what happens. We have mind states that are tormenting to us. I mean, that's, that's part of being human, too. There are lots of really cool things about being human and lots of really difficult ones, too. And that just seems to be, you know, that seems to be part of it. So, sure, yes, of course the idea is to be able to have the equanimity to include the demons too but but while they're demons they're really demons and it's important to take that seriously I think while, while not believing they're real simultaneously <laughs> which is a good trick taking them seriously without believing they're real <laughs> um, I mean it, it, one of the I'll, Second is one of the things that I'm really interested in is that those kinds of disturbances are um, messages from the body that something's up, and I think that the really important discrimination to make is to accept the inquiry from the body. The body's going, "Whoa, hello, something we need to pay attention to here." Um, the body will also often um, suggest a cure be very afraid, <laughs> right? The, I mean, the, the respo- response, not a cure, but a response, be very afraid. And so the discrimination to make is to accept the inquiry. There's something going on that needs attending to without accepting the, the, the suggested response, be very afraid. Does that make sense? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? To, to, that's taking it seriously without saying, without, you know, agreeing that it's real. It's really important to pay attention to that stuff. Um, but it's also important not to assume that, um, not to assume that the form it comes in is the form you need to live with. It can be raising a question that has a very different response to the one it's suggesting. Okay, so so the delusion arises, and you try paying attention to it and inviting it to dinner, and you notice what happens, and you try saying you smoke, <laughs> I, you know, I, I reject you, and you see what happens. Right? And that's practice. Practice isn't that there's a recipe that says, okay, that's delusion 496, and what I do about that is this. Yeah. Practice is, I try that, and I notice what happens, and then I try this, and I notice what happens, and then I try something else, and I notice what happens. And, and I take the feedback, and then I take the next step. Does, does that make sense? That the practice is in the noticing. 
the practice is in the paying attention to what happens when I. Yes, but yeah. then what, how, how much does the practice work when you keep doing it? <laughs> when you keep... When, when, you, when you keep kind of having that relationship with the demons. Then you notice that you're continuing to have that relationship with the demons. <laughs> You see, I mean, you, you notice whatever, love only what happens, you notice whatever happens and you keep noticing and keep noticing. The theory is that if you keep noticing it and you don't either go to sleep to it or try to beat it up or try to change it or make it something else but notice, eventually some, something is going to open up in there, something is going to shift. But, but implicit in that is a kind of trust in, in something larger than ourselves going on. Our ego doesn't have to figure this out, thank God, because what a sorry state we'd be in if all, the only resource we had was, you know, our small mind. If we hang out and we notice and we stay with it and we get frustrated and we do all the things we do, but we stay with the process, that keeps the question open and allows for other things to happen, for time to pass, for someone to give you good advice, for someone to give you bad advice, for you to see something differently, all of that, yeah? Because, because it's happening in a field. It's not just happening inside your skull, yeah? Um, go ahead, did you want to say something? Well, I say, yeah. but it can be such a long process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and did anybody promise you anything different? <laughs> did anybody promise you anything different? <laughs> These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at JonesSutherlandDharmaWorks.org.